Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio. Your hometown news broadcasting from the Debbie Matthews Nashville Realty Newsroom in Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Wednesday, February 28th, and we start with local news. While many mixed-use developments continue to be created around Spring Hill with retail, residential, and office spaces, a new one is being proposed at Jim Warren and Port Royal Roads. The Spring Hill Planning Commission reviewed a concept for what's being called Eastport Farms, located on 48.21 acres off Jim Warren, Port Royal, and Derryberry Lane. The concept includes a mixed-use neighborhood, which combines spaces for family housing, townhomes, and senior living, alongside approximately 15 acres of commercial businesses, consisting of full-service and quick-service restaurants, convenience stores, as well as a 150-key hotel and medical office. We believe that that scale of commercial, with the offerings for restaurants, shopping, places to hang out, and create Spring Hills culture, that this size and scale of neighborhood is very much appropriate. Applicant Greg Gamble of Gamble Design Collaborative said, We have the opportunity for placemaking, he said. Charlie Pond, director of building development for head builder Nyer Properties of Ohio, said mixed-use properties is one of the company's passions and is excited to bring its skills to Spring Hill for the first time. When it came to the project's development, Pond said the goal is to phase it in a way where all of the main anchors are finished at the same time. We believe this really has to be developed holistically, Pond said. We don't believe that everything will necessarily start at the same time, but we would like to finish, open the infrastructure and the majority of the facilities at the same time, he said. Discussion among planners was fairly brief Monday, but Alderman Matt Fitterer said he believes the board of mayor and aldermen should also review the concept before moving forward. I think it's important that we get the concept before the board as well, Fitterer said. It's one thing to get feedback from us and with staff, but let's get this in front of the ultimate decision makers when they say they are ready, he said. Alderman Trent Linville also weighed in, agreeing that the board of mayor and aldermen should give its input. Having the insight of the board on this project could be helpful as well, Linville said. It's certainly an interesting project with the Jim Warren commercial area being introduced. This will be kind of helping that build area of the city and to really underscore this as a place where people can come and commerce will happen, he said. The Spring Hill Chamber of Commerce is excited to announce Innovation Lives Here, a thought leader speaker series for Middle Tennessee. Inspired by the globally acclaimed TED Talks, the series will commence with its first event on March 20th, followed by additional events on July 24th and October 16th, each running from 10 a.m. to noon at Thompson Station Church, located at 2604 Thompson Station Road East in Thompson Station. The first event within the series on March 20th will feature distinguished speakers, including Yesenia Sevilla, Director, Strategic Engagement and Ecosystem and Development with the Wondery at Vanderbilt University, Dr. Joyce Thompson-Heems, Dean of the Jennings A. Jones College of Business at Middle Tennessee State University, and John Warner, notable lighting innovator and business owner of J-Squared Systems. The Spring Hill Chamber witnesses examples of extraordinary innovation in our area every day, said Executive Director Rebecca Melton. We are thrilled to unveil an event that not only embodies our spirit of innovation, but will also inspire the entire Middle Tennessee community. 
because this series will cover a wide range of topics across technology, education, healthcare, arts, and business, we encourage all professionals, entrepreneurs, and innovation enthusiasts to join us as we explore transformative ideas that will shape our future, she said. For event and registration information, please visit www.springhillchamber.com forward slash news. The speaker series is presented by Premier Design Build of Spring Hill. Education and taxes were among the main topics addressed at this year's State Eggs and Issues Breakfast. The annual breakfast, hosted by the Murray County Chamber and Economic Alliance, invited elected officials from the state capitol to answer questions, speak about certain bills, and the overall progress of this year's General Assembly. This year's panel featured State Senator Joey Hensley and State Representative Scott Sapicki, and was moderated by Murray Alliance President Will Evans. With Murray County's continued growth comes the increased need for infrastructure, as well as the question of how to pay for it. Representative Sapicki said there have been progress to address long-term infrastructure needs, such as securing $200 million to widen U.S. Highway 31 in Spring Hill, while other projects like widening Bear Creek Pike in Columbia continue to await funding approval. We constantly work at finding money that benefits our community, Sapicki said. For growth, there is a bill I have already presented to allow half of the real estate transfer tax to come back to Murray County. The rough numbers would be 7 to $8 million a year to help pay for our schools, school growth, and maintenance, he said. There is also a push to allow the county to implement an impact fee for builders on new construction as an amendment to the existing state-county powers relief act. Senator Hensley added that the state's budget for capital projects did not include a large surplus this fiscal year, which has been common over the last few years. While there is enough money to pay for existing needs, some projects will unfortunately have to remain on hold, he said. Our revenue estimates have been below what we estimated for our budget, Hensley said. So we haven't been taking in as much. We'll have to make up some money, but we are constantly looking for funds for Murray County, he said. Another piece of legislation is the push to put a 2% cap on annual property tax increases, which both Hensley, Sapicki, and Representative Kip Capley, who was invited to the talk but not present, said could have, could have a negative impact on Murray County, which remains one of the fastest-growing counties in the state. With high-growth counties like Murray County, that's going to put a big financial strain on us, Sapicki said. But this doesn't mean the Murray County Commission cannot come back to the people of Murray County and make their case to raise taxes more than 2%. Then it goes to a referendum of the people, who we work for. It's your ultimate decision because you are the ones who are going to have to pay for it, he said. Last year, the state implemented its new third-grade retention law, which was designed to address early education, reading, and comprehension levels. After its first year in effect, Representative Sapicki said the retention data shows that Tennessee's literacy rate is currently at 40%, which is a 10% growth over the last two years. And while improvement is a good thing, the numbers are still far below where they should be, he emphasized. We are the highest growing state in the country, especially coming out of COVID, Sapicki said. But still, 40% is not acceptable, with 60% of our kids not on the right level. Our literacy in the 8th grade drops to around 22%, and in high school, it drops into the teens. That's our state right now, he said. 
Representative Sapicki added that the declining numbers are why the issue of literacy should be addressed at the forefront, and that in order to advance, the students must do the work, with hard data showing that growth is being accomplished. Education will solve our problems in our society on the back end, Sapicki said. This is an epidemic, and it hasn't happened overnight, but we are going to fix it in Tennessee, he said. The state's education system could also see a big change this year with Governor Bill Lee's proposed Education Freedom Scholarship Act, which would grant 20,000 school vouchers to qualifying low-income households with homeschool students or those wishing to attend private schools. However, part of the proposed bill could also grant 10,000 of the vouchers to students regardless of household income, with other concerns regarding a potential decrease in school funding. Most students are probably going to say stay in public education if we pass a program like this, but we just want to give parents up choice to have the best education for their child, Senator Hensley said. Parents ultimately have that right, but ultimately they, like any legislation, it will be debated, go through all the committees, and we'll just have to see what happens moving forward, he said. Sapicki added that the House plans to allow private schools to decide whether they want to participate in the program or not if passed. He also proposed that participating schools would be required to send grades and test results to a third party who would assess the data from all scholarship recipients. The the final data would then be submitted to the state for evaluation. We create a level of separation between the government and our private schools and give them the protection they need, Sapicki said. That information will then be disseminated to us in the House and Senate so we can track the academic progress of these kids going from a public to private school to make sure their academic progress is going in an upward trajectory. For public schools, Sapicki said he is pushing for legislation to limit testing in grades K-12 through to allow more time for teaching, which he said would free up almost 500 hours of instruction. There is a teacher who told me he gives his middle schoolers 15 tests a year. That's one every 11 days, Sapicki said. We are all doing... All we are doing is confirming for the multiple tests so that the kids don't have time to learn, and we are testing them and getting results they don't know. You ask any teacher and they'll tell you one thing. If you give me the time to teach, I'll get them across the finish line. We are fighting for what's best for Murray County, he said. More than 100 former students and residents gathered to celebrate the history of the College Hill School, the first public school for African Americans in Murray County, on February 19th. African Americans in the 19th century saw education as an important step toward achieving independence. The first school for African American students opened in 1864, while the Civil War still raged. By 1865, with the support of the Freedmen's Bureau and other organizations, there were nine schools in Murray County. After Reconstruction ended in Tennessee in the early 1870s, the formerly enslaved and free people of color established more schools. Tennessee tried and failed many times to establish a permanent public school system. One of the most successful efforts took place from 1867 to 1869. The 1870 state constitution required racial segregation in public education. A law was passed to create a state board of education which required separate school systems. John H. Kelly, who was born in Boston, Massachusetts, was the son of a formerly enslaved preacher from Columbia, a man named Edmund Kelly. He finished school at an early age and began the study of law with the view of making that his life work. While pursuing this course, he decided to visit his relatives in the South, and he discovered his services were needed in Columbia as a teacher. Changing course, he began work to educate African-American students in Murray County. 
1875, he and business partner Frank Wigfall acquired a building, the former orphan asylum, free of charge for three years to be used as a school. Based on the 1874 Scholastic Population Census, there were 5,312 African-American school-aged students in Murray County, 30 teachers, and 49 schools. Many of these schools were established during the height of the Reconstruction period and some after, such as the school and church that was established in 1872 at the site where Mount Zion Missionary Church is now located in Spring Hill. Columbia had three schools for African-Americans by May of 1875, in addition to Kelly's school, which became the College Hill School, there was Mrs. Mary Frierson's school and Mount Tabor School. The total enrollment was 207 students. Originally called the, quote, Colored Public School, the College Hill School was officially established in 1881. John H. Kelly was appointed principal and served for two years before taking a leave of absence. He would eventually return and serve as principal for more than 30 years. In 1883, the Board of Mayor and Aldermen of Columbia purchased about two acres of land for $1,400 to build the Colored Public School on College Hill. Raising the funds to build the new school was difficult. In 1885, Principal W.I. Lewis went to the North as an agent to raise funds to assist in the building of the new schoolhouse. In addition, the Colored Public School was suspended for 10 months and funds were used to assist in the building of the new school. The new school opened in 1886. The original school is a very basic building with classrooms only. There were no indoor bathrooms or water fountains. There was no facility for making hot lunches and no indoor gym facilities. Columbia native Robert Graves Johnson was principal for 22 years prior to retiring in the 1930s. He was the principal at the new Decatur Colored School in Alabama during the 1896-97 school year prior to serving as principal of College Hill. Johnson graduated from Roger Williams University in Nashville with a class of 1885. After Johnson, Columbia native J.T. Carruthers was appointed principal. He resigned in 1945, but remained on staff and taught science until he retired. He graduated from Roger Williams University in Nashville and the Massachusetts Agricultural College in Amherst, Massachusetts. Samuel E. Jones became principal of the College Hill School in 1945 when the school was struggling to cope with the economic strain of supporting the expanding population of African-American school-aged children. In February of 1946, to address the increase in the number of African-American students from the rural communities attending high school and the need for a more modern facility, Jones organized the leaders in the African-American community and developed plans to purchase land and build a new high school. From Hardeman County, Jones earned his bachelor's and master's degrees from the Tennessee Agricultural and Industrial State University. Horace O. Porter, the last principal, joined the staff at the College Hill School in 1937, serving as a teacher, coach, and then principal when the school became the College Hill Elementary School in 1949. The school was remodeled in 1958, 1960, and again in 1962. The original building was eventually torn down. Porter retired in 1979 after 42 years in the Murray County school system. He graduated from College Hill School and the Tennessee A&I State University with a Bachelor of Science degree in History and Social Science. College Hill was renamed in the memory of Mr. Horace O. Porter in 2006. It is now an alternative school. Currently, the Murray County Board of Education also conducts its monthly meetings in the building. In 2014, the African American Heritage Society of Murray County placed a Tennessee Historical Commission marker at the site. The College College Hill School has played an important role in the lives of hundreds of African Americans in Murray County. 
The dedicated principals and teachers always emphasized to their students that education was the only way to make their lives better, the true path to freedom. Hosted by the Murray Regional Healthcare Foundation and presented by First Farmers and Merchants Bank, the annual Mule Kick 5K and One Mile Trot will take place on Saturday, April 6th at Riverwalk Park in Columbia. Proceeds from the 2024 Mule Kick 5K and One Mile Trot provide funding for Murray Regional Health's Mobile Medical Unit, which delivers healthcare services to at-risk and underserved individuals throughout Southern Middle Tennessee by providing basic health screenings, education, and resources. A portion of the proceeds from the Mule Kick 5K and One Mile Trot will also support the Foundation's Wellness and Aquatic Center Healthy Living Endowment and the Columbia Parks and Recreation Department. In addition, the Murray County School with the most participation in the event will receive a donation to their physical education program from the Foundation. On Saturday, April 6th, the race will begin at Riverwalk Park in Columbia with an 8 a.m. start for the 5K and a 9.15 a.m. start for the One Mile Trot. Both runners and walkers are encouraged to participate. Participants may register for the race online by going to www.runsignup.com forward slash mulekick 5k. And now your hometown memorials sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Betty Rose Frazier Mesmer, 90. Died Friday, February 23rd at Life Care of Columbia after a long battle with Alzheimer's. Per her written wishes, she will not, there will not be a visitation or a funeral at this time. Instead, she has requested a Christian graveside service and burial at the family cemetery at Goose Pond Cemetery in Scottsboro, Alabama. Douglas John Tracy, 67, a member of First United Methodist Church in Columbia, died February 26th at his residence in Hampshire. The family will visit with friends on Saturday, March 2nd from 3 to 7 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Online condolences may be extended at www.oaksandnichols.com. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why your satisfaction is so important to Jeff Hargrove and Susie Sowell. There's a great deal of satisfaction in serving a family and serving them well. It's an eye for detail and thoughtfulness and taking the time to see that things are done right. We do have nice facilities and good people, and we work hard to do things well, but we don't want that to intimidate people as to what they think it will cost. Taking care of you is our primary concern. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern middle Tennessee weather, we will have showers and a possible thunderstorm early, giving way to cloudy skies this afternoon. Temperatures will fall throughout the day to around 40 degrees. Winds will be out of the northwest at 10 to 20 miles per hour. There's an 80% chance of rain. Tonight, we can expect partly cloudy skies with increasing clouds as the night continues. The low will be 28 degrees with light and variable winds. 
Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. This is Debbie Matthews with the Nashville Realty Group. And if you've been paying attention, you know the housing market has been tough. But rates are beginning to thaw. So if you're thinking about selling, the time to jump in is getting better every day. But if you're thinking about buying and those interest rates are still a little bit too high, a good agent knows how to negotiate interest rate buy-downs. And I'm a good agent. So call me, Debbie Matthews with Nashville Realty Group, 615-476-3224. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. When you bank local, you get local expertise. Hi, this is Felicia Brown with First Farmers. We've supported families, individuals, and businesses of Middle Tennessee for over a century. You are more than an account number. You are our community, and we're committed to helping you thrive. Switch to First Farmers, visit myfirstfarmers.com, or call 1-800-882-8378. Member FDIC. This is Trey Adcock with Dixie Equipment Sales and Rental. We sell ASV and Wacker Noisen equipment. We also rent a wide variety of compact equipment in the Middle Tennessee area. Come see us. We are located in Columbia, Tennessee at 200 East 16th Street. You can call us at 615-969-0118 or visit our website at www.dixiediesel.com. We have been in business for over 42 years, and we would love to help you turn your project into reality. Your home is your biggest investment. Getting the most for it when it comes time to sell is important. At The Way Realty, we help you get more by providing all our clients with a full-service real estate company. At no extra cost to you, we help you prepare your house to look its best with home staging, landscaping, professional pictures, marketing on all the major websites, touch-up repairs, and home inspection repairs up to $700. Get more with The Way Realty by reaching out to us to see what we can do for you and to find out the market value of your home. Visit us today at thewayrealtytn.com. Call us at 931-580-4669 
or stop by our showroom at 800 Hatcher Lane, Columbia, Tennessee. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7. This program is sponsored in part by George Varilis and the great team at The Way Realty. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. After less than two hours of presentation and debate, a statewide universal school choice proposal that includes sweeping changes to Tennessee's public school system cleared its first House committee hurdle on Tuesday evening. Members of the House K-12 through Education Subcommittee gave first approval to the bill less than 36 hours after a 39-page omnibus amendment to Governor Bill Lee's school choice proposal became public. In addition to establishing a program to provide 20,000 state-funded vouchers for students to attend private schools, provided they take certain tests, the wide-ranging amendment filed Monday would overhaul Tennessee's standardized testing requirements for public school students, make sweeping changes to teacher and principal accountability procedures, and shut down the state's Achievement School District by 2026. Despite testimony from Education Commissioner Lizette Reynolds in support of the bill, there was little discussion of many of the details on Monday, such as changes to teacher and principal performance evaluations, changes to state testing requirements, and no mention of the Achievement School District. Bill sponsor, Representative Mark White, who chairs the full House Education Committee, was limited under a new House rule to just five minutes for his initial presentation of the 39-page proposal. He offered more details during questioning. The primary reason we're here is that we are continuing to offer our parents across the state of Tennessee choice when and where they need it, White said. Giving parents a choice in their child's education all across their child's growing up is most important, he said. Several members on the committee expressed concern that they had not had sufficient time to review the legislation, having received it late Monday after the committee's amendment filing deadline had passed. A motion by Representative Warner to roll the bill a week to provide more time for thought failed in a 6-4 vote. Two hours of presentation, testimony, and debate unfolded in a public committee room. Spectators held signs with messages like, Public Funds for Public Schools. After extensive questions from McKenzie, the lone Democrat on the committee, and Representative Todd Warner, a vocal opponent of state-funded vouchers, the committee voted the measure in a 6-2 vote. Representative Brian Ritchie and Representative Chris Hurt both voted present. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. 
Living with a worn joint can be painful and frustrating. Leave your joint pain in the past with a joint replacement procedure at Murray Regional Health. Our joint replacement program has been recognized in the top 10% of the nation for medical excellence and patient safety thanks to our highly skilled and experienced surgical staff who perform progressive procedures for the knees, hips, shoulders, elbows, and ankles. For more information, go to murrayregional.com slash joint replacement. Murray Regional Health, where clinical excellence meets compassionate care. Have you ever wondered if your insurance needs can be personalized? This is Hunter Carey. Our team specializes in planning your insurance needs to get you the best possible solution. State Farm is the largest home and auto insurer in the country. I love bringing that to my hometown. Born and raised in Columbia, I'm grateful for our close community ties. We offer help with home, auto, and life insurance for everyone in our community. Our office is located at 909 South Garden Street, across from the fire station. We're also online at huntercary.com. That's huntercary.com. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. Mark your calendar for the Antiques and Garden Market at the Factory at Columbia, taking place April 26th and April 27th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. each day. The event will showcase a curated collection of patio and garden antiques, as well as contemporary pieces, explore vibrant horticultural booths, and engage with seasoned professionals in the field of landscape design. Vendors who sell unique or antique patio, garden, or outdoor items, outdoor accessories, or natural products such as flowers, honey, and plants, you're invited to apply for the event. You can find applications at www.factoryatcolumbia.com forward slash garden market. The Factory at Columbia is located at 101 North James Campbell Boulevard. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. If you ever miss a part or all of this broadcast, you can listen to it anytime or read the transcript online by visiting frontporchradiotn.com. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.